Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, inspired by his beloved Wednesday, he is going to faff about sounding disinterested for 89 minutes, then try really hard for the last five so that he can look disappointed at the end. Dr. Luke Gledall, how are you doing today, Luke? Very good, Rich. Very good. I like to think I have a little bit more work ethic than the Sheffield Wednesday team at times, but it's, uh, it's tough. Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I I can identify pretty heavily. <laughs> oh, just the lethargy that's that we've been treated to this this week. Mm. The levels of uh, of lethargic performance, plumbing new depths, even for Wednesday. But um, outside of the <laughs> the part of your brain and life that dedicated to this football team, things are well. Everything outside of that's not bad considering we're in a pandemic and everything is going as it is. But uh, Sheffield Wednesday has a little uh, little trick, a few tricks up its sleeve to kind of get around these things, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I see that smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> you could, we could get a... Um, we could commission uh, Tegan and Sarah to do a new version of Everything is Awesome, to be Everything is Awesome apart from Sheffield Wednesday, just to kind of... That would be a better summary of life, wouldn't it, generally? Um, anyway, let's put ourselves... Let's get the get the show on the road here. Breaking hoo-hoos. And the breaking hoo-hoos, the first bit, is a match. A match against Stoke, a.k.a. all the Wednesday X's. Uh, they pitched up with Danny Bart and Captain Fox Morgan and Stephen Fletcher. Uh, to just add all the uh, all the chances of of the curse of the X hitting Sheffield Wednesday, um, and we played an unchanged team. So we we hadn't played at the weekend. We, the game against Swansea was obviously called off, but we played the same team that beat Wickham, uh, a luxury not afforded to any of our managers very often this season. The chance to play the same starting eleven two games running. Um, and what fools were we, Rich? That we, you know, we we went into Saturday thinking how much we would give for a game of football involving Sheffield Wednesday to be played, and then we've had two games that make us think we'd rather we just had more postponements. To be honest with you, yeah, the 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 I think that's the marked thing from this game. Having had the weekend off, we looked more disjointed, mm-hmm. more disinterested. We got tired quicker, like all the things that you'd think. Oh, great! We should be, we should be fresher. <laughs> we should be right at it. Uh, none of those things came to fruition. This was, this was. We started off looking jaded, and the the sort of drop off at the hour mark in terms of energy levels and performance was was absolutely incredible. So having an extra few days off doesn't seem to have had any positive impact on the team which is a shame it never seems to do that with Sheffield Wednesday does it well the, that's the other thing sort of saying you know you 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 think of it as a positive to name the same starting 11 a couple of weeks running particularly if you'd won that previous game mm-hmm. um, but that's not been the case for us that often more often than not rewarding the good performance <laughs> Uh, as a manager hasn't paid off and uh, you tend to get something pretty middling in the next game rather than a continuation of the of the good form prior um so 
I think this was just a kind of standard first half Sheffield Wednesday performance by and large. Um, Rhodes, I think the first sort of chance I remember was sort of 12 minute mark, which was Rhodes flicking a, a volley over the bar after a Bannon cross. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the real then, you're then getting on to, I think the 16th minute, that was that felt like the real chance for Wednesday in kind of sure retrospect. Yeah, we're just a, a brilliant corner from Barry Bannon. Bannon, who seemingly kind of out of nowhere started delivering some really great corners that game and had some pretty decent free kicks, if I remember correctly. Um, but we just couldn't capitalize on them. And, you know, just Bannon just kind of doing an in swinging corner, the perfect height, whipping it in right in the middle of the box at head height. And Liam Shaw running onto it to thunder one against the bar. And that was really the best that I think we could muster that entire game, I'm going to say. Do you think this was um, Bannon showing off his best moves to his lost love in Fletcher? Every one of those corners, him saying, this could be us, but you play in. (laughs) I think that's exactly what happened, yes. Um, (laughs) Mostly half chances for both teams. That was a good effort. It was a good good effort, hit the bar. Mm -hmm. It was was a good corner and and sort of taken well. Although the, the whistle was blown before it hit the bar for some unknown indiscretion so wouldn't have counted if it had gone in anyway um the 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 first half was so interesting that one of my notes was urigide born in the netherlands really i did not know that yeah see i was well that was the most intriguing thing to happen in the first half of that game i I, think i really think from that first half the big thing i took away from this is basically like we think that um seemingly there's not a great deal of definition of who the Sheffield Wednesday side is there hasn't really been a wholesale redefine and when I was watching that that especially I actually I think for the duration of this it, it kind of came back to some of the weak points of Gary Monk and Tony Pulis of which saying that we're a long ball direct side but we're bad at it this as it wore on the, the bad long ball was maddening in this game. Mm-hmm. Including, I mean, we've, we've probably mentioned this before, the deceptive height of Tom Lee's. Also want to say that, it, like, as a little pithy side note, like, if we ever want to open a traveling circus, we could have the world's smallest six-foot man on display in Tom <laughs> Lee's. And I just also want to kind of make a comment about, you know, X Wednesday... You know, promotion squad, low knee, Danny Bartz, a player who I remember being, you know, a bit of a tall lad, but it seems like he's mutated since then. Like he is, he is massive. He's been on those Povey's oat cakes and he's, uh, he's really filled out. Yeah. The click of some protein. I was almost thinking that maybe, um, actually he was doing, well, actually to, to kind of continue this, I had the image of him as Jeff Goldblum in the fly and he's managed to, you know, transverse himself, tries to teleport through space and time through his two pods, but an, but a really beefy stack of oatcakes is left in the other one, and he's just mutated. He's really just got... He's like something out of uh, the video game Rampage, I feel like I want to say. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I, I think the direct mentality of basically... I've said this before, like, there is a Wednesday thought process kind of a process flow diagram i think of which is basically did wednesday win the first ball yes and no and it's usually like yeah. usually goes to no and then the question is 
you know, is there any chance of us winning the second ball? And that's also, there is a yes and a no, but the yes is very obscured and very small and has a big X through it as well because it's just not going to happen. We're not going to win those second balls. I I don't understand. We're winning, we're losing the battle up front and we're definitely losing the battle in midfield. And I found it weird to say that I thought Bannon was one of the better performers of that game, um, despite the fact he's in the midfield, which just isn't working again. Like, it's always that nature we have with Bannon that we know what Bannon's, we know what Bannon's qualities are. We know why... Yeah. He's one of our better players. So everything we do is to kind of accommodate and bring in Barry Bannon. But we also kind of identify, I think we've identified, you've identified before, really good central midfield players in the, in the championship typically do a bit more of their defensive game than Barry Bannon does. Yeah. So we're yeah. adding all these other cogs to try and make Barry Bannon work. But the other cogs don't work at all. I, I didn't understand why... I've been really disappointed with seeing um, Hutchinson further up the pitch in the midfield. I don't think yeah. he has the legs for it. I thought it works really well having him at the back of part of a three. I don't understand why we're going away from that. I think the problem is still, it's just we don't have any great options. Like the other two players, Pelopesi, who's is being consistently okay this season, which I think is, <laughs> which is both praise, is just damning praise. Yeah, you know, but also the fact is, uh, the other part of this is Liam Shaw. We've shoehorned him back in into the centre mid, and his performances have not been up to the part which made us clamour for us to get him a new contract. I mean, he's basically not turned up since the cup game, has he? Let's be honest. Pretty much, and then also we have the factor of that, you know, the giant, giant miss for Sheffield Wednesday, as well as not signing a proper young mobile defensive midfielder to replace Sam Hutchinson who we released and then brought back yeah at, you know his age and I'm staggered he's playing so many games for Wednesday right now but uh, I think the pacer of his game is is a bit lesser at this stage so not signing defensive midfielder but also having that giant loss of you know action mass becoming traction mass traction mass yeah I mean his journey is incredible that I don't know whether this happens what we don't have as football fans is we are not fans of several teams generally. You know, if you if you're a proper football fan, you tend to have one team. Maybe a maybe you've got a second team that you've got a kind of soft spot for. But really, this kind of all encompassing fandom, there's not room for supporting <laughs> several teams like like in the way that we support Sheffield Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't speak to other teams' experiences and perspectives of this, but it. It's amazing how many players now have had a perfectly good record of appearances. I mean, Luongo was a mainstay for his for, for QPR. Mm-hmm. He was towards the tail end. He was picked less because of a they they brought in players that were preferred. But as far as I know, he's never had long injuries like this, and he certainly he's racked up 30, 40 games a season pretty much his whole professional career. Mm. Um, whether it be leading the line as a kind of attacking midfielder or sitting deeper, and when he's been with us, yeah, he's been injured ha- more than half the games. I think both. Uh, yeah, well, what you say? Two seasons, he's been missing more than he's been available. You say thirty and forty. You'd be lucky if we get thirteen and fourteen appearances this season from him. Yeah, yeah. Um, which 
in and of itself is frustrating, but it's even more frustrating when he seems so, like such a vital kind of ingredient in the mix when he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. Uh, I think Hutchinson has looked more tired these last two games. He looks like a guy that's come off the beach to suddenly play lots of games of football. That's like these last two. He games. has. Yeah. I think he was sort of he outperformed expectations the games before mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's not a coincidence, as you touched on, that these are these are games in uh, midfield. Uh, he's. He was falling away from the sort of performance needed to be a consistent midfielder. When you know when we last saw him in the team, which was a long time ago now, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. fully um, fully a year ago since he sort of played that position regularly. He, he's looked better since coming back in defence, but we seem intent on playing Dunkley, even though I don't think he looks fit. I don't think he looks right at the moment. Dunkley, he's come off in. Mm-hmm both the games this week, looking uncomfortable as well. So it's like we're sort of forcing Dunkley to play in a position, to play through an, an injury. Mm-hmm. And he by him playing, he can only really play, it seems, Dunkley <laughs> in the centre of that three. Um, because you wouldn't move Lees for him. I, I do think Lees is still a better defender than Dunkley. So so he's taking up Hutch's position <laughs> in that mm. defence because it didn't work him being on the left-hand side of it. Oh, it's just a mess. It really is a mess. It is. It is. Um, so, yeah, the, the the odd decisions are kind of mounting at this stage. I think the, the, the sort of number of strange substitutions that, that seem to happen every game is is sort of baffling. The changes that don't need to be made, the excessive changes when you have to make a change, all these things are starting to take on a bit of a worrying tenor, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and a kind of so-so nothingy first half. As you say, I don't think we have an identity, so I think we end up kind of playing the game we're allowed to play by the opposition. Um, or... <laughs> insistently just lumping the ball to them. Every single one of Stokes back four are over six foot. Fox is the smallest of them, and Fox was frequently one of the biggest of our defenders last season. So he's the shortest player in their back four, and we just constantly, aimlessly, and I mean that in both sense of the words, there was no aiming happening. It was just lumping it forward and Mm. hoping for the best. Um Westwood's kicking is not great at the best of times. I think he had a particularly bad kicking performance. Yes, yes. How many kicks don't even make the halfway line as well? That's mm-hmm. it's um it was a frustrating watch. It really was because we we had a nothingy sort of first half, and then the second half once again we came out like we'd forgotten it was supposed to happen. I thought that was an interesting comment from you. I mean, we were texting about this midweek, but I I don't think it was any great shakes in the first half. To be honest with you, well, no, it wasn't, but it was better. <laughs> Yeah, uh, a lighter shade of fail uh, in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it just felt like it felt like a goal was coming in terms of the uh, the start of that game. I think it did, they did sort of ease up a little bit, Stoke, because um, their goal came much later than that. But the start of the second half was just it was sort of one chance after another for a little while, um, and some of that some of that self inflicted. I thought Lees was looked really good there. He he got he blocked yes. quite a lot of things quite yeah. heroically. He got himself in positions to he made himself awkward to to sort of work ground for for the attackers. The thing I thought was interesting was 
I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, definitely in terms of, I said Bannon was one of the better players. Definitely man of a match for me was Tom Lee's. Yeah. Really was an absolute beast at the back for us. Really, really maybe batting his eyelashes towards his maybe potential future employers, Stoke City. So I feel maybe. like it could be, could be a championship home he could probably go to in, in future. Mm. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. I know a few people mentioned Irohide being quite good. Um, I thought overall he was okay, but he did drop a couple of bollocks, I must say. Him and Dunkley seemed intent on giving headaches to Tom Lees, really, at times. Mm. Um, I, 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 it would be good for you to sort of speak on it, because I think he got kind of star man on a couple of um, match reports. But uh, I think I tend more towards your viewpoint, but it'd be interesting to sort of... No, yeah, no. Why you sort of feel that way about him? There were just two instances where he basically completely let in Stoke on the attack. Yeah, one was a kind of limp header, wasn't it? That. Um, yep. Yeah. Another one was one where I don't think he contested for the ball very strongly, and then they kind right. of got loose. And I mean, we were fortunate we didn't didn't concede off either of those two situations. But they were just they were very striking situations. Yeah. And there was a, the, the one for me that stood out from Dunkley was he was sort of decided to go on a bit of a run with it and got caught by Fletcher. Um, and he just didn't seem to have an idea of what he wanted to do. So I don't know why, as a centre-back, he was running with the ball with no kind of end game in, in mind. But uh, there we go. But yeah, Lee stood out because he's he was the one sort of clearing up after the pair of them. Yes, exactly. Um, we had probably our, our, our first... Chance of any note in the second half was the seventy seventh minute, uh, but even that was pretty uh, pretty easy to gather for the goalkeeper. Um, and then it just felt like we were walking towards it. I, I think I saw a text you to say, you know, I've watched this boring game over and over. <laughs> Being a Sheffield Wednesday fan, the question, the only question that remains is: is this the sort of boring game where we draw nil nil, or the sort of boring game where we let in a goal right at the end? Um, unfortunately, it was the sort of boring game where. We let in a goal right at the end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the it was a ball from a, a very deep position, badly defended by several people. I think that it, um, I know Patterson was claiming for a foul. I don't think there was a foul on him. I thought Klukas fairly got up for it. Yeah. I, think, I don't think he was climbing too much. Uh, there may have been some contact, but that's just natural. You you, you know bodies touch when you're in the box. You're in cl- close proximity. Um, but he, so Patterson didn't contest that ball. He he, whether he got a shout from somebody or what, I don't know. Or whether he thought he'd win the foul, I don't know. But he didn't go up for it. Tom Lees was in front of him and probably could have contested it, but he seemed to be more bothered about kind of walking arm in arm with Bart out of the situation. Uh, and on the top of all that, um, who I'm going to sort of comedically call a turncoat bastard, Liam Shaw just watched uh, Fletcher saunter into the middle of the box and score the goal um <laughs> that's a nod to uh, a new story that's coming up folks uh, <laughs> um fletcher it was always going to be fletcher unfortunately yeah stoke samurai Stephen stoke F- samurai yes showing off the um the higher quality of hair plug that's available in the potteries to barry bannon by not just having longer, more luscious hair than him, but enough to put up into a top knot. Enough to treat like it's a nuisance on the top of your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just gets in my eyes all the time, this. <laughs> I, 
think Fletcher's from Shrewsbury, isn't he? I don't know if he talks like that at all. <laughs> mm. um, we didn't really mount, mount much of a charge to to worry them after that. Uh, they looked pretty comfortable. We'd we'd made three subs by that stage, and oh you no, know, we made the last sub after that, didn't we? Um, oh, it was Suter apparently that got up above. Uh, it wasn't uh, Klukas, it was Suter that got up above Patterson. Suter is is a massive human being. It's got to be said. Um, Soapy Suter, as we remembered, we remembered him Sophie from Suter. we remembered it from more uh, Woolley, and he's grown yes, up to go exactly. play for Stoke. So there we go. So we hand Stoke their first win in twelve games across all competitions. Uh, somehow looked worse uh, for a weekend off. Mm-hmm. We had no plan to begin with, mm-hmm. no change of plan when things were, went bad. Bad subs, and we got worse between the halves and faded in the second. So, really, could not have got much worse. Uh, I know we only lost one nil, but it was a real, a real greatest hit of um, how how things can go wrong within a football match. Exactly. Sort of I mean, I'm I'm going through after you're mentioning all those pieces, Rich. I'm going through the checklist in front of me and ticking off each piece. <laughs> also, I do want to say, Rich, I did. Bingo. I did love your reference to a lighter shade of pale, Rich. I also want to say that we really did trip the trip the shite fandango. Hey. <laughs> so, anything else on the match, or do you want to move on to the other bits of news for the week? We should probably get on to the match. What do I really want to? I said I was just going to say, do you reckon? Um, do you reckon bet six three six five doesn't work on leap days? <laughs> Also, I didn't realise they changed the sponsorship. I remember it was the Britannia Stadium, which I really hate when it's a very talk sport thing where they refer to it as the Brit's dad. And also oh, the, yeah. the Majeski Stadium would be the Mad's dad. That's the only, the only place I've ever heard that is talk sport. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I know. That is very talk sport, isn't it? It is very talk sport. So, I also enjoyed up. the oh, commentator sorry. saying he um, <laughs> mentioning the player was booked in the book. You can edit this Very out. Good. Oh, this is all tedious. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. <laughs> Nothing gets edited out. Yes, it does. It does, it does. <laughs> okay, so next uh, up. Yeah. Show it, he go it. Bare, he stay, yay. <laughs> <laughs> what more is there to say about Liam Shaw? Batting his, batting his long, long, beautiful eyelashes at Glasgow Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Liam Shaw uh, <laughs> just to sort of add an extra shake of salt onto the wound opened by by Fletcher scoring the winning goal for Stoke the um, the final whistle was sort of immediately followed by the breaking news that, that Liam Shaw had agreed personal terms with, with Celtic mm. Glasgow Celtic um, what would <laughs> There's been lots of, uh, I'm trying to think of the nicest word. There's been lots of kind of heat around that announcement. What what did you make? What do you make of the announcement? What do what do you think? It's sort of how do you feel about it? I think probably what I what I'd like to know, Luke. I I love the image of you talking about him putting more salt in the wound. I'd like to think he's at the chippy. He's stolen one of those giant salt shakers, and he's really fervently going at it with um, just just dashing as much salt as he can onto this wound as possible <laughs> because he really does a great deal. I, I feel 
and we can probably there's probably a link to getting onto the game which we can pick up later he seems to um really go at it with a very youthful exuberance of really yeah. basically pissing off a lot of Wednesday eyes with <laughs> with some very poorly timed moments and i think you can just add this to the book as well so yeah it's weird with Shaw because he's been in very, very poor form. More on that later, folks, uh, it, later on in the show. <laughs> so I don't know whether he's a messiah or whether he's just a very naughty boy, to use the kind of Monty Python reference. So again, it's that whole thing, and, and there's a more contextual thing. Sure, if he wants to go to Celtic, then I'm sure that's a great opportunity for him. That's fine. It's Again, it's just that damning indictment of... We don't know whether these youth players are any good until they play games. Oh, and then when they actually yeah. play games and they're good, that's all. Oh, we should have really signed them to a longer contract, shouldn't we, before this? There's just there's never any vision from Sheffield Wednesday in this regards. Yeah, so I understand. We sort of talked about this with the the supposed bid for the club and people are so kind of fed up and... Mm rightfully angry with Chancery. I, I mean I've 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 likened him to an overgrown, overprivileged child sort of bashing his toys together and maybe needing to find a new hobby because this one's not for him, you know. Um <coughs> Chancery is the black country new road of football chairmanship in that way. Um <laughs> one of the things I also love is basically we've had two very torrid weeks and I've seen I've seen the numbers to ride on the listenership. And also we've managed to piss off Paddy Jones as well um, on our Twitter by or slagging off Black Country New Road. So basically we're also just picking up the salt shaker from Liam Shaw and really going at the wound itself. You know, we seem to just really pick up on that Sheffield Wednesday thing of we might as well just let the world burn. You know, some people <laughs> we just want to set the world on fire. That's what we, Rich and I want to do. I just couldn't resist it. It's uh, it just popped up in it popped into my head and it made made me chuckle. So I just thought I'd go for it. I actually just I don't feel that strongly about the uh, the band. It's fine. We we uh, we could just, make this a regular thing, laugh. Rich. We could ask whoever still listens to this podcast, <laughs> whoever our fourteen listeners wants to send in and say something you really really enjoy, and we will just <laughs> What's basically the thing you like. So we, we will just... basically piss all over it. We'll take some baseball bats and we'll really go at it. Basically, <laughs> you remember that scene in Office Space where they trash the uh, trash the printer with the baseball bats. They take it outside to the park and they kick the shit out of it. We'll do that. We'll do it in slow motion. We'll be soundtracked by some gangster and rap. sort of dispassionately. You know, we don't hate the thing that you like, but just because we can, we're gonna run it into the ground. Um, that's just we've, we've been broken by life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're living in end times. Uh, but so so yeah. As I say, I, I am no I am no um, cheerleader for Dep John Chan series. I think the 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 short sighted way that we have fallen into this terrible hole financially is you know can be laid at no other door than his mm. um, and his choice of people to strike out at in that situation being the fans i think is is despicable so mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not i'm not sort of cheerleading for chanceri when i say I, I don't know i don't know how mad i can get at the football club that liam shaw has decided to go to celtic i'm just wholeheartedly disappointed you 
put an image in my mind, Rich, of you as a cheerleader for Chancery. I imagine your little top, your little skirts, and your pom poms as well, and your hair in uh, your hair in pigtails, which you're growing out as part of this pandemic, right? So, I'm really disappointed that you couldn't give me a little cheer for you know, Mister Chancery. Financially wasteful. Fi- financially wasteful. <laughs> financially wasteful. <laughs> financially wasteful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> I've nearly given myself stitch from laughing at that one, Rich. <laughs> but it's the, the, the situation as it is. So, we, yeah, we talked about we don't know how good players, young players are. It does work both ways, loyalty. And um, I'm actually reminded of, we talked about this in the Sunderland, uh, when we watched the Sunderland documentary, and they had the Josh Madger situation. Mm. And, you know, in that case, the club was sort of talking about loyalty to them, but the club aren't going, well, here's a five-year massive deal. We want you to stay at all costs. Um, and and so, we don't, yeah, so we don't know how good these players are, really, until they play. The, 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 the situation, having, got, having stopped kind of the standard reserve league sort of setup, we don't really have a, a good proving ground. Under-23s football is so unrelated to senior football it's mm. you almost wonder what the point of it is other than it's it's a chance to run around and i suppose it is vaguely competitive um speaking of under 23s did you see the clip of uh, delhi bashiru's uh, awesome goal <laughs> uh, this this week for the under 23s it was indeed i believe the uh, the kids call it a thunder bastard don't they <laughs> it was lovely mm. uh, <laughs> uh but so so the situation I kind of on all sides we talked about the the agent gets to feather his nest almost in every scenario Mm. so all he cares about is getting the most money possible Liam Shaw as a young player is being told by a team that play European football and challenge for their title every every single season we may think Scottish football is in the toilet but uh, there's still money at those two big clubs they still have a real huge presence, huge fan bases across mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. They play European football every single season. There's a lot of things to like about going to play at Celtic and Celtic has become a bit of a talent farm for the Premier League. So there is no shade in going to Celtic. Mm-hmm. There's only upsides really. Mm-hmm. And if if Celtic wanted him, we are never going to be in a position to fight with them financially, I don't think. That's just the... Unfortunately, it's just the life. The champ- teams in the championship do not have as much money as Celtic and Rangers when push comes to shove. Um, so, uh, so I can understand Liam Shaw's decision. I, I don't know whether when what we don't know is what whether men- Wednesday made an offer, how much of an effort they've made. Mm. We talk about oh, they've let the club have let the contract run down. But again, how much choice is in that? Like if I'm if I'm Liam Shaw and I believe in myself. Before Christmas, I was not getting many. Well, what did he play? He played. He played about half his games this season. So he played about six or seven games for Wednesday, mm-hmm. a mixture of off the bench and starting. But if he believes in himself and thinks he's like, I'm twenty, twenty-one, and I think I'm really, really good. Why would I sign a, a long contract at the team that's not playing me that much? Yeah, and same with like, <laughs> same with like Barry Bannon and everybody else, like. I sort of owe it my, to myself to let my agent 
test the water as a free agent because if I can get more money somewhere else, it's only in my interest to let my contract run down. It's not a it's not a unilateral decision that the club can make unless they make a stupid like a silly money sort of offer to a player to to let the let a contract run down. I know. And then we also I mean it's hilarious that Celtic have come in because seemingly I remember before Cameron Dawson signed his massive contracts, he was linked with Rangers and Celtic. He was. And I think Barry Barron's last contract renewal, not this one, the last one was linked to Celtic as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we're probably in a, a spot for Celtic to poach talent from that, you know, it, it's, it's, it is a smaller pond, but they're a hell of a big fish there. And then that probably kind of, you know, is bigger than a club of ours in our situation and our kind of downside. So I can see why it makes sense for them. I was irritated by, I really was irritated by the fact that they asked the Celtic assistant manager, John Kennedy, and he pretty much like talked openly. So it is a formality at this point. Yeah. You know, like it irritates me, like the brazenness of, you know, just because so much of this stuff is like, oh, well, you know, he's someone that we're in, you know, someone we've looked at or, but you know, it, we're aware of him. He can sign a pre-contract with Celtic. Yeah. He couldn't do that with an, an another English league club. Right. So that's he, he basically he's got he's got a deal if he's if he signed a pre-contract he's got a deal that basically says on the 1st of July I will start my contract it's all kind of sorted basically yeah officially that's not allowed to happen in England until I think sort of tail end of March um so even though they can talk to clubs at six months they're not allowed to talk to English clubs at six months. It's a bit weird. This is all kind of football manager type stuff. Mm-hmm. But you could sign somebody from the continent or you could sign somebody from Scotland now, but you couldn't sign <laughs> couldn't sign an English player or an English based player um officially. But I think the fact that it's Celtic means one, they don't have to pay as much compensation as as an English club would. Uh, and two, yes. he can actually sign. They can, they've officially can have the conversation. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. smoke and mirrors, and mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about it, and we don't really know. What did you make? To, so there was um, Tony Pulis is one of the people that was sort of spoken to in this, and I, I do wonder. One of the people that joined under Tony Pulis and then left with him was this person who'd been a scout at Celtic. I don't know whether he's gone back to Celtic. Um, but that I wonder how much of that link has sort of played. Mm, that's an interesting uh, one. Um, but Pulis sort of said, "Oh yeah, no, he's a good player. That's why I brought him in." And I don't. I, that felt very much to me like a kind of bitter man. Kind of again, we're talking about a lot about wounds. You know, kind of jabbing his thumb in in in, in the wound in this case because it, it's a chance to get at Wednesday. Who I suppose he's made a lot of money out of the club, <laughs> but uh, might feel a bit hurt about how things worked out in the end. Um, but we we then had the positive news that Barry Bannon will be with us for another couple of seasons, which is it's nice to know he's um, he's committed to the project one way or another. Um, obviously, he's a player at the tail end of his year of his years in the game, but he still looks he's still probably the fittest player we have, one of the quickest players we have, probably runs further than anyone else. And he's very rarely injured, so um, happy to see him stay on. I am, I am. I I think maybe it's unfair to kind of look at and think it's disappointing as a Wednesday fan that I think we need 
a very wholesale uprooting and rehaul of a squad. And it ha it's happened, but not quite as much as we'd kind of hoped. Or it's happened, but the problem is we haven't really replaced it with the quality that, that we've lost. Um, but I, I, I don't think we can kind of use that to kind of damn Barry Bannon. I think he's had a slightly underwhelming season. I think we've basically mentioned on this podcast this season that, you know, he hasn't had the he hasn't been able to kind of carry this team as much as he's done previously, which is a little bit kind of unfair. Yeah. So it is happy. I'm I'm happy for that. It's it's just disappointing that we have such poor options alongside him. It's also really funny that remembered that time and he put the thing out in the media, probably through his agent, that he was chomping at the bit to sign a new deal. He's wanting to sign a new deal, but he wanted to see the commitment from the squad, from Sheffield Wednesday, to really bring in some quality in the January transfer window. Yes. And I know that I, I think he really enjoys it here. I'm glad that we've, I think because we've made him captain, I think he's settled. I think it, the club means a lot to him, which is fantastic. I think he's been a good servant. I think he's done very well for us over the sea. You know, I'd, I'd be scared to think what Bannon you know, what we're like without Bannon, despite yeah. the fact that sometimes even with Bannon, it's still been a touch underwhelming this season. Uh, I'm also wondering as well, how much of the kind of timing of this can you kind of put down to with the news that they're scrapping the salary caps for, for Leagues 1 and Leagues yes. 2? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's guaranteed his, uh, his wage if we go down, which um, I'm sure is a help, definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I, I know what you mean. I, I think I can't. I can't see Bannon staying on as anything but positive. Uh, but the overall picture for the squad is is kind of. I mean, what what are we walking into in the summer? I I I, I think somebody laid it out in a thread on Ounce Talk. The players who are left mm. um, in contract after this season finishes. I mean, we've barely got an eleven. I think. Yeah. And you're right. That means there's a there's an, at some level an amount an amount of rebuilding is happening. But we've kind of done the bit where we knock the house down and haven't bothered buying any bricks yet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're kind of yeah clapping our hands and th well, it's a good start. It's a good thing to build from there. Foundations are good. <laughs> um, I don't know that the foundations are good. That's the only thing. <laughs> Foundations are mainly rotting, but... Uh, well, you don't know if you can identify any foundations at this point. No. Well, I mean, goalkeeping-wise, I don't know. We've, if, that's, if that's the base we build from, we are, uh, we are immediately on, on stilts as, this, as next season starts. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty staggering, the turnaround that will have happened in these two seasons, provided we actually signed some blooming players to, to fill those gaps and they need to be good enough. Mm. <sighs> anyway, right. Let's talk about the match this weekend. Uh, we welcomed, welcomed Birmingham for the, the game formerly known as the Monk Derby. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> another team in poor form, Birmingham, uh, seemingly... <sighs> A, a ship sinking and and gushing with water. Uh, <laughs> lost six in a row prior to, to to pitching up at Hillsborough, or no winning six. Sorry, not lost six now. Um, and uh, 
Wednesday once again proving their position in this league as the team you want to play if you're in a slump. <laughs> we made a change after the midweek loss. We we went to. I, I saw this as a four three three. It was a it was a little bit kind of fluid in places. It was never quite clear what was happening on the left wing. I don't think at any stage during the game, uh, but by and large, I saw it as as a four three three with. Dunkley and Lees as the centre-back pairing, Hutchinson in midfield with Shaw and, and Bannon, um, and uh, Penny playing left-back. And we saw Trumpy Bum. Windass came back uh, and played mostly on the left side of a three up top with Harris and Patterson. Did you have any initial kind of thoughts or feelings on seeing that, that line-up trot out, Luke? Again, I'm disappointed with the sight of seeing Hutchinson in the middle of the park again. I'm like, I mm. didn't think he really did a great deal midweek. I, I don't know why we're sticking with him there. I thought we established that it wasn't working. But again, the problem is there's no, there are no other characters. Yeah. Like Pelopessi's not good enough. Well, Pelopessi's like, okay. I mean, Pelopessi's dropped. You know, I, that's a comment I said on my notes. I said, I'm usually happy to see him benched, but I'm not, I'm not sure right now. Like, it's that bad. Like, Shaw's not... Sure hasn't been worth kind of, you know, dropping him in there. I I mean, to flash forward a bit in the game, I've really staggered that Delhi Bashuru came off the bench, even for the last kind of five, ten minutes, essentially, considering he played... He's been such a missing person in all Missing this, person, it? and he played yesterday in the under-23s as well. Yeah. Like, I... And he had a good little moment, Delhi Bashiru, but mm. Jordan Rhodes stood about five feet away from him just watching... Whilst Bashiro like stared into the space behind the fu- the fullback that he wanted him to run into, <laughs> whilst whilst dropping a shoulder and beating three men, Delhi Bashiro was had his eyes fixed on the place he wanted to play the ball. Mm, I didn't know what to think about the defensive starting lineup. Like who was at the back? I don't know about. I really don't know about the. Like was Penny playing left back? Penny was playing left back, right? Yes, Penny was playing left back and, and Palmer right back. I, I'm, I'm pretty. Uh... I mean, I'm glad to see Palmer back. Yeah, but I wondered if we'd if we'd stick with that three. I mean, we've, we've fairly consistently gone with the three. Yeah, the recent week. Exactly. I thought, I thought naturally, I thought that that would mean Palmer was the right sided centre back, but it didn't. Harris was too far upfield for that to be the the case. Um, it didn't look comfortable or it, it, it always, it felt confused all the way through and, and Hutchinson obviously, well, he naturally comes back, but he obviously had a job to drop in and become a third center back at times. Hmm. Um, and he was needed a couple of times. He, he had to sort of sweep things up. Um, what? <laughs> so this, the first half, I thought we were probably marginally the better team. I, I would agree with that. I, I thought that was largely the case until um, probably about probably about the twenty-eight minute mark. Yeah, twenty-eight minute. Yeah. So I think I tend to agree. Yeah. You know, we seemed on top, but there wasn't any great invention to create of anything of anything of any great matter. The, 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 so the most frustrating thing in this game was we seemed to, unlike Stoke, aerially we seemed to have the beating of mm. Birmingham today. We seemed to be, we seemed to like <laughs> get the best of almost every ball in the box, but just didn't ever capitalise on it. 
weirdly, it ended up being a game where you'd want Jordan Rhodes playing, having been dropped. Um, it, it was the sort of game where the ball dropped in their box almost every yes. long throw and ball. Yeah. Um, we, one of the... Oh, no, I've, I think I was probably just going to mention probably the thing that you're going to you're probably going to pick up on, which is, I think at the 33-minute mark, it was that Patterson throw-in. That was touched yeah. on, but just nobody was running or looking to exploit that space. So, yeah. There... And there was the one that dropped, the 25-minute mark, there was the one that dropped to Bannon at the far post to head, like, he yes. got a header on target, but it was a rubbish header. But, yeah. like, somebody, if it was a Kachunga or Rhodes there, you'd you'd expect them to really challenge the goalkeeper with a header from that position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought there was also, should should it's worth noting, I thought Patterson did some great work the sort of 18th minute to cross the ball in for Tom Lees. Tom Lees had a decent shot in that position. It was a bit kind of easy for the goalkeeper, unfortunately. But Well, actually, Rich, I <laughs> greatly disagree with you. I thought oh. it was brilliant that what Patterson did to battle for the ball and to then get up yeah. and to go after it and to swivel that cross across. That yeah. was the most awkward shot from Tom Lees. Oh, yeah. But that's the problem. That, uh, that was always the point. And the, uh, the hindsight is obviously twenty twenty. Here, especially yeah. here, we're king of it here on Different Gravy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were so many situations where we could have at least... I would have at least liked to have seen a player like Rhodes in those positions. Even if he yeah. spurned... I don't know. I felt like there was like four occasions. Yeah. Because what was the one with um, Bannon also nodding it on and Shaw kind of lumping it over the bar as well? Yeah, there was that as well, wasn't there? Yeah. Which at the time I didn't actually make a note about it. So I can't remember exactly when about in the half it was. Because I remember thinking at the time, thinking, oh, oh no, the, uh, the Birmingham player has hassled him or has got something on it. And then when I watched it back, it really struck me that you know, a better player in that situation would have done something far more yeah. with that situation rather than just like a tame kind of leaning backwards foot on it to, to guide it over the bar that Shaw did. So I, I think, yeah, definitely for the most part of that first half, we were the better side apart from, I think about the 25th, 26 minutes where it seemed to kind of swivel and yeah. we really opened up and Birmingham looked to really capitalize on that and suddenly a game that was so they were so packed tight to us they kind of expanded and then they seemed Wednesday didn't seem to really know what to do for a space of about 10-15 minutes including like some moments where I don't know I think I think uh, John Pearson on the commentary was maybe a bit Mm -hmm. a bit generous to them I think they had that corner to a six minute it was a clashed header that it came to drop down for Harper for Borough Sorry, not yes. for Borough, for Brum. Sorry. <laughs> they looked like Borough because they were wearing red shirts. <laughs> and they were managed by Ito Karanka. Exactly. And then he kind of, and they're just underwhelming, you know, underwhelming championship guff. Um, yes. And he just completely miscaped. And that felt, that felt like, you know. It, it, he didn't, he, he missed his kick, didn't he? He literally like sort of just air shotted it. Is that that one? That was that one, yeah. yeah. And yeah, then. Because it looked like a. You, you, the defense and goalkeeper, are like, oh crap, here it comes, and uh, exactly, yeah. And then just... a couple of minutes later, that was it was a free kick, which I thought was nothing. I thought the referee was mm. really bad today. I thought he really gave awful. He gave a lot that was out of nothing, and I he seemingly the only yellow he gave was towards a goalkeeper for Birmingham. 
Yeah, I don't remember that one of the centre backs picked up a card, but I don't remember him getting it. Clark yeah. Salter got one twenty second minute, but I can't really right. remember that happening. So twenty eighth minute, that was a free kick that I thought was a little bit soft. It was out of nothing, and then the one. Yeah, so really great delivery from the right that I thought, and yeah. Gary Gardner for Birmingham headed wide, and that was a huge let off of that situation. Yeah. That felt like that yeah. was the biggest chance. I think that was probably the biggest biggest chance of the game. I'm going to say, it, 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 yeah, you're probably right. I thought that the worst, the 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 two worst decisions from the referee were when Harris was running through a crowd of players on the wing, mm-hmm. three Birmingham players beat two of them, and the third just clipped his legs from under him, and the ref didn't give it. Yep, it was incredible. Yep, it was such an obvious foul, mm-hmm. and if the ref didn't see it, the linesman should have. And then amazingly, and I suppose this does feed, I hadn't really considered this in the things that happened later, but the booking, Shaw's booking on uh, on the cusp of half time. That was nothing. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It wasn't even a foul. It, it was, no. he went for the ball and he won the ball. There wasn't. No, there, wasn't, there, I, there was I absolutely nothing in that. I was staggered it made a yellow. It was really, really I frustrating. Know, yeah, I don't know that he even made contact with the Birmingham player. He just threw himself on the floor and rolled around. I also don't know what material Gary Gardner has on this referee, but I'm staggered no. that he at least didn't pick up at least one yellow card. And then actually, yeah. I think he should have done enough to have two bookings in this game. So he should have been sent off. Late on in the game, I must say, but especially <clears throat> in that first half, he should have picked up a yellow. For, he did a really cynical pullback. Yeah. On Bannon. And then he just kept limiting the free kick. He just kept hassling Bannon while Bannon was taking the free kick. And Well, they were time-wasting from the get-go, weren't they? They were even, you know, they didn't need a goal. It was very Karanka-ish to immediately start wasting time. And, and that was a big part of, yeah, just stopping free kicks happening, standing in front of throw-ins. Um, but I don't know why it's not booked ball. more often. Referees well, don't see... Bad ref, wasn't it? Though it was he, a bad ref. It was constantly was behind ref. play. He didn't look fit to me. Um, the only thing that I thought was incredibly explicit was the one with um, whatever the Birmingham goalkeeper was. Yes, which I've never, I've never seen a goalkeeper do that before. No, never ever. And the 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 other piece of behaviour that similarly, like you know, what you know, do you? Why do you even need to do this? Let alone. So then doing it, getting away with it was incredible. Um, Right at the death of the game, their sub running across the front of uh, Penny, who was about to take a throw in, completely disrupting his rhythm, holding the game up, and then the ref blows the whistle right on time. Because they wasted (sighs) like a good minute with like Gary Gardner sitting on the ball at the death, right? Oh, just so annoying. The ref just didn't have a handle on it at no, all. he did not. And those games are never helped because it's like they get involved in things they don't need to, those referees. So when a team like Birmingham is just trying to knock and disrupt the flow of the game, all they want to do is spoil and kill rhythm. Yep. And you getting embroiled and having chats and things like that helps them. You coming and having a chat and not giving a card, you're like, great. So you've just added 30 seconds to the hold-up in play I've just made happen. Mm. And I got away scot-free. Brilliant. <laughs> well, that was really funny also for Birmingham because I thought it was a giant like uh, error from them. I couldn't believe that they made a substitution on the 89th minute. 
Yeah. I'm like, that's going to add, guys, that's such a really bad game for a team that's supposed to be doing game management. That's really bad game management. You do that. You do that in stoppage time after they've announced how many stoppage time minutes there are. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, they, they got the three points, didn't they? Anyway, let's, uh, should we carry on? Is there anything else? Do you have any other comments from the kind of first half? I think the first half probably had more. That's it for me for the first half. Um, I was going to say, actually, one of the best parts of a very dull game of football um, was probably in the 36th minute that came from Shaw. Um, There's a Westwood kick, and Shaw definitely took it down kind of on the left in their half. And he took it oh, down yeah. his left and then switched to yeah. his right and then ran with it. And then he kind of just, I don't know, he didn't really... he. he he didn't really kind of fizz a shot, but he got a touch and then got a corner. Um, we did nothing with the corner, yeah. but prior to that, I was no. going to say that bit of individual skill was really was the best good. thing of the game for, from a Wednesday perspective. <laughs> um, there was a moment on the 31st minute, like Harris was unleashed, but there was a good tackle from Pedersen. I thought that was... He struggles good. with Pedersen, doesn't he? I think he struggled against him in the last game. Mm. I think Pedersen's bigger than him and can match him for pace so it's really not not um the sort of player he likes to play against harris and it, it's telling that the one good cross he played in the whole game came when he switched to the opposite side of the pitch Interesting. Um, the, the only other small thing as well i thought the 40th minute that felt it felt like a let off just because i've watched sheffield wednesday so often it's really nice to see this is going to really be some damning praise here this actually is yes it's really Sorry, nice to see Westwood not concede a penalty in that oh, situation. Reckless is what it was. He got away with it. I thought he showed he showed restraint at the moment where we didn't think he would show restraint. That's the way yes, I read he, it. He also didn't deal with the situation in any way. No, he didn't. But it he ran out and then didn't tackle because he was worried about giving away a penalty, and therefore, thankfully, the rest of the team thought, oh, great, Westwood's on one. <laughs> and lined up, <laughs> lined up on the goal line. And thankfully... Liam that Parker was really good work from Wednesday to get as many players. Like, it seemingly, that's all I could look at was just the, what is Westwood? Is Westwood going to just be the criminal of this game already? Yeah. Um, and it didn't happen, but then we seemingly had six players and then it was a good block uh, from that header. It was a good block by Palmer as well. But yeah, look in that situation. We had like fellow, like we had like three players on the line. Yeah, they 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 they've seen this happen before. <laughs> they were as pleased they were as, they were as relieved as you and I were that it wasn't a penalty. We've worked on this that in training. Normally happens when he runs off his line like that. <laughs> it's like a fire drill we've worked on in training, isn't it, really? Yes, yeah. Let's all meet at the muster point, which is a six yard box. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they stood by um like the resigned and apologetic carer for um for an for an elderly person that's going on a on a racist tirade i'm sorry he doesn't really mean it it's he's from a different time <laughs> no I, it's a good job you remembered that because i was in my notes but we'd passed over it for the shore tackles that so kind of almost got lost so that yeah that was that was a big moment and we were we were lucky that it didn't amount to much more and it was good good defending that saved us mm-hmm. um so second half started and then the 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 pivot the pivotal incident of the whole game happened uh, pretty soon after 51st minute the villainous liam shaw not just a turncoat, but a stupid idiot. <laughs> Already on a yellow, 
although we agree unjustly on a yellow, launched into a, a tackle uh, in their fullback position. And I'm sure there will be different um, opinions on this. It's the sort of tackle that people look at and lament, you know, how the game used to be and how it is mm-hmm. now. The truth, that you, we, we have to live in the present reality. We cannot yeah. judge the game by, well, in the 1950s, we would have been <laughs> applauding that. The, truth, the fact of the matter is, it is 2021 and referees do not want you to leave the ground with both feet and launch yourself at an oppos- uh, opposing player at knee high level. The, you, it's just your, even if you get the ball, which Liam Shaw did, you are asking the question of the referee. You're putting him in a position to make a decision. You're, you're risking your, your ongoing um, presence on the pitch. It, there's a fact of the matter it would be annoying anyway, given that he's on a yellow, given that he should have been walking a fine, you know, he should have been in the back of his mind already walking a kind of fine line. It would be, that would be annoying anyway. But the fact that he's, it, it was uh, almost mirror image of the same sort of tackle that got him sent off previously this season made it even more annoying because it's like the this good players learn from this sort of thing. That's what should happen. Yeah. <laughs> you should learn. The fact that that tackle got you in trouble before is the exact same situation. You've lost the ball and you're annoyed, and you you overcommit to the tackle. Yeah, um, it's it's a bit like Liam Shaw said, "Nice chips." It'd be sh- it'd be a shame if someone pissed on them and then oversalted them massively. I love that. <laughs> I mean, one of the benefits is I I presume that this counts as two yellows and not a straight red for violent conduct. So mm. I mean, that's the, in, in the get, next game, but one rather than in four games time. Yeah. Though I, I, I quite like a break from Liam Palmer right now, you know? Yeah. Sure. Sorry. But yeah. <laughs> sure. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, right. Easily done. They're so similar. They're so similar. I know. I know. I know. Such a, <laughs> such a similar skin tone, isn't there? <laughs> And also, and build, and build, and one is one is obviously massively younger and less tattooed than the other one. <laughs> anyway, um, constantly getting your Liam's mixed up, and you famously say all Liam's look the same to you, don't you, Luke? <laughs> I don't see, I don't see Liam, <laughs> Liam color, <I> don't see <laughs> Liam blind, <laughs> Liam blind, Liam Um. But yeah, so I guess the interesting thing is like the first, like that first half yellow was never a yellow. Yeah, yeah. But in the weird way, it's kind of now I'm also now we're looking back at this. I'm also a little bit thankful he was on a yellow before because then it kind of makes the referees just because I could I could see a lot of referees just giving as a straight red. Yeah, he picked the ref was able to pick the kind of halfway house of at the very least this is a yellow, so I'll give the yellow. It's it's a it's two yellows and a red. Yeah. Exactly. So, so in a weird way, despite the fact that I'm really irate with Liam Shaw for doing such a thing and ruining this game for Sheffield Wednesday, I also want to say, you know, let's let's be a bit generous to the referee. I mean, clearly making decisions is a really tough part of his life. So maybe this will help him. Maybe maybe when he goes home tonight and thinks, and then usually spends the five hours of not being able to decide what he was going to have for dinner, and then he just goes home, you know, just goes to bed hungry. (laughs) 
maybe he'll have the balls to, you know, to decide on beans on toast for himself. <coughs> maybe he could have some of these uh, chips that Liam Shaw has pissed on and. <laughs> well, he's young enough that he is probably full of piss and vinegar, so maybe you get a bit of a mix. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> but this is the so this is the thing. I mean, I think it's worth at some point we should sort of talk about you know today's incident in line with the news of this week. So since the contract talk has started in earnest, I think Liam Shaw has his performances have absolutely dropped off a cliff. Um, and really, it amounts to we had one good performance against a League Two team in the Cup and then one good performance against Middlesbrough. Other than that, just okay or kind of rubbish so far. And getting sent off twice in 15 games of senior football is a lot of getting sending up, sent off. <laughs> you know? Um, who knows what the journey looks like for Liam Shaw? It, it seems, obviously, it's not going to involve... Sheffield Wednesday for the time being uh, but I also just don't think it's a given that he's going to become a world beater there's a lot of rough edges at this point in time and <clears throat> dealing with them properly is a big part of what makes players progress and move on but lots and lots of players don't deal with those rough edges and they are forever just okay yeah yeah um, <clears throat> interestingly the next sort of positive moment in the game was actually Wednesday's um, where Matt, Matt Penny sort of wriggled free yes. on the on yeah. blank and got a bit of space in the box. He was really wanting to get taken out for a penalty. <laughs> he sort of dangled a leg in the hope that it's coquettishly uh, <laughs> dangled his leg uh, in the hope that a, a Birmingham player might be tempted to give him give him a kick. Um, but in the absence of that, played a, a fairly decent sort of you know percentage wise decent cross across the box he got you know made sure the keeper couldn't get it unfortunately we just didn't commit enough bodies into the box um harris was stood all the way out on the wing still which ended up in a bit of a argument between the two of them and it, and it just didn't find patterson who was the only player in the box at that time um so i have this is where i have to make a slight confession and say that i did not see the Birmingham goal, and I, ha- I still haven't. Maybe I can look it up. Well, maybe Luke, you, please talk us through the goal whilst the I goal see if Sky you... Sports have put the uh, highlights up somewhere. Okay. <laughs> so I can't remember exactly the Birmingham player who is kind of uh, rifling forward on the left. You know, they had a shot which looked like it was very tame. Um, that was kind of coming in, coming into the box, and. I'm going to kind of give some real kind of kudos and applause here. I think a real deft touch from Scott Hogan to just get enough on it to just to just basically guide it past Westwood. So a bit of a signal. I felt that outside of that, I don't really think I saw a great deal from Birmingham that really made me worried. I think we were kind of worried for this fact that basically, you know, we're playing with 10 men. Yeah. I've often heard, you know, the the kind of piece that is in football that, you know, well, 10 men, you know, 10 men teams, you know, work harder sometimes. Yeah. But it never happens for Wednesday. But I, I would tend to, yeah, I don't think that we, we didn't look markedly worse with 10 men. <laughs> I don't, th- I mean, they did start to, okay, I have seen the goal now. That, yeah, good, good ball in, good touch from, from Hogan. Mm, not good defending wise. No, probably not good defending to 
Not good defending. Not, not good, good defending on both pieces. I yeah. I think Westwood. I can kind of forgive Westwood in a situation. Like I think it just kind of feels unfortunate, especially as a chance that's kind of created. I mean, that is quite. That is a rare chance that is coming up with a goal, and I'll probably also attribute that to Birmingham for that situation because I think Birmingham are very much like us. They're a poor team who can't score goals. Yes. And when they do score, it tends to be Hogan. He's uh, he's sort of... Which I think he's on six now. It's it's very much shades of Callum Patterson as your star striker. Yes. Oh, definitely. Um, so, <laughs> I, I, I was frantically looking on Twitter to try and see the goal. So I managed to see some Birmingham comments and they were all very, very frustrated. And uh, stop me if you've heard this one before. But they were really, really frustrated that they immediately accepted the fact that one they were going to sit on a 1-0, took their wingers off and just battened down the hatches. Um, I, I can't imagine what that's like at all. <laughs> Which sets up, the we, we know from our experience, it sets up the opposition to give it a right good go. And we eventually managed to muster some level of care and attention and effort, but it took a long, long time to get going. Mm -hmm. We made subs by presumably kind of, I don't know, doing some, you know, some kind of thing where you wear a blindfold and pick names um, off a piece of paper. Um, Do you wonder if he threw a a dart and a map of you know, the UK and the closest it was to where that player was from. <laughs> yes. It just, it didn't feel like there was much rhyme or reason to who came off, why people came on, what was going to, what the plan was. But um, Dunkley came off for reach. That was the first change. Dunkley looked pretty, I didn't think he'd had a great game. I didn't think he'd had a terrible game, but he looked pretty uncomfortable once he came off. Um, he looked pissed as well. He he did. Um Reach came on and kind of went to left wing first off. I don't know what the formation was. I, I couldn't. <laughs> and then after about 10 minutes, we changed that again. We brought on Rhodes and Kachunga. The uh, the Dudders from Hudders. The Dudders from Hudders, exactly. <laughs> Living up to them, their famous moniker. <laughs> I don't know where my mind was going. I didn't write this down, Rich, but for some reason I imagined... <laughs> I imagine John Rhodes, John Rhodes, in the way that I paint him on this podcast, as, as some kind of uh, the the boring James Milner Twitter type thing, like that kind of mentality. Like yeah. for some reason in my head, I had him saying, "I like cheese, but it's not as good as milk." <laughs> oh dear! I don't know where it came from, but there we go. Well, I think he might have been pondering that conundrum when uh, when Delhi Pashiri was imploring him to run into some space later. <laughs> um, we had a couple of let-offs. The 80th minute, there was a great bit of defending from Palmer to stop Hogan, basically scoring from the exact same place where his goal came. Um, and then Harris made a fantastic... Uh, Hogan had sort of broken free on the right side of the penalty area. He'd cut it back to the penalty spot and their player was just weighing up where to hit his shot and uh, Harris sort of caught up with him and, and made a really clean tackle in a very dangerous situation. So good, a couple of good bits of defending. It's worth marking those, those positives. Mm-hmm. Um, Delhi Bashiru got on the pitch. I, I thought he did okay in a couple of moments. I'd like to see him given the opportunity to do, 
the position we've put dropped Shaw into yes of being the link between midfield and attack I'd like to see Deli Bashiru given a try there me too uh, and maybe next game is the chance to do that with Shaw out we almost don't have anybody else in midfield so almost almost by you know by necessity we might have to do it but we might find that's a good solution I just like the fact he's got the wherewithal to take a touch and take some time on the ball. He doesn't look terrified for his life when he gets possession. No. He, some, he's he got enough strength and speed to kind of draw in a player and push past them. Breaking lines is what you need to do in those situations, and we don't have enough players that are happy doing that. Mm-hmm. Plus, we see that he can uh, he can score the old thunder chuff uh, if given half a chance. Wanging the old... Uh... Thunder bastard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the so your uh, the the last sort of moment of note in the game, other than the very annoying uh, throw-in interruption that wasn't penalised in any way. Um, the best chance of the game for Wednesday. Uh, I think it was Delhi Bashir who played it back to Harris. Harris made a bit of room for himself. Played a good deep cross in. Rhodes connected beautifully with it, mm. um, and it just happened to be a nice height for Etheridge to save. And Etheridge is a good goalkeeper. Like, there's not no two ways about it, really. He's a he's a he's a good big goalkeeper. Um he's caused us issues before. Um he's not the sort of guy if you get one shot on target you're gonna score from. He he he's he tends to be pretty decent. Needs needs something special to beat him more often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was good, but it wasn't good enough. And that's about it. Do you recall do you call the 70th minute? I can't remember who did it, but I really want to get a bit of kudos. I thought there was a great break involving Harris, where Harris came forward and he did a one-two with someone. Mm. I wanted to say Reach, but I don't think it was Reach. Do you remember who that was? It was out on the right, and it was a really long kind of one-two. He kind of played it in and did like a long run, and it was the most beautiful through ball. Oh, Yes. It was a nice through ball. I can't remember who did it, and it really irritates me. Who I, I could never find out who did it. I mean, this would be something I would like to see replayed, but there's never any rhyme or reason for any of the replays for for <laughs> no, the iFollow no. production staff. So who knows? If you if you really want to punish yourself in the week, you could watch the extended highlights. I could do. I was going to say prior to that, uh, Harris did a great block on the 85th minute, the 86th minute as well. I wanted to ask, does Bannon's corner count as a shot on target? <laughs> I, th- I think it has to. It might have been Hutch, by the way. I'm sort of picturing that moment, and it might have been right. Hutch. Might have. Mm-hmm. Don't you know? Don't hold my uh, feet to the fire over it, but that's my... I'm, I'm, I'm picturing it, I'm envisioning it in my mind, and that's that's who I see playing that ball. If anyone from iFollow is listening, one thing I'd like to give them as a recommendation is, as a Sheffield Wednesday fan, I'd rather not see as many clips on the sidelines of Thompson with his notepad. (laughs) Writing a little note to Bullen like, what the heck do we do now? (laughs) And I also really would have liked to have seen Gary Gardner sent off the time-wasting shit wasp. That was (sighs) extraordinary. yeah yeah it's so annoying i do always think with time wasting though if we were better in the game it wouldn't matter would it but we're always we're we're always in a position where um 
it's really worth time wasting because you've probably got a goal up against us. We probably can't get any momentum going and it just adds to the frustration of a frustrating day. But it, it I'd love to see it dealt with better, but almost every rule change seems to add <laughs> to the amount of time wasting you can do. Because all I can see with these, um, I think safety around head injuries and things like that is something we need to pay much more attention to in football but the the substitution just feels like another type of time wasting you can do for, to me in in the premier league that that plan just feels like it'll be abused by teams running the clock down it just you can see sam allardyce rubbing his hands together re- reading through the rule <laughs> we'll get that send pennethworth out of that <laughs> um so Honourable mention, villain of the piece. I mean, I think villain of the piece is probably fairly obvious, but uh... let's go with honourable mentions first, shall we? Okay. Um, honourable mentions, Patterson. Patterson plugged away. I, th- I, th- I was really pleased with Penny. I thought today, I yes. thought Penny, yeah, put in a good shift. I don't think he, I don't think he let us down defensively very uh, at all, really. But but going forward, the few moments of quality. <laughs> that we had tended to come through him. There was a nice moment. It didn't really amount to much, but there was a nice moment where he kind of like, we were getting pressed and he chipped it over the two Birmingham men that were coming his way and, and sort of got to the ball first on the other side. That was really nice. And, um, and on another day, something could have come of that, uh, that cross that he played. He also had a decent effort from outside the box. It was blocked, but um he does have unerring accuracy with shooting. It always seems to be on target, which is not a bad trait to have as a player. So, uh, yeah, he's my kind of, I think he's my sort of honourable mention. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got, it's got to be Liam Shaw, hasn't it, really? It's got to be the um, future the future writer of his autobiography, uh, Piss and Probably. Vinegar and Way Too Much Salt for Your Chips, Liam Shaw. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where to go with this because I mean, it, it's a difficult nature that it needs to be a mutually ben- beneficial relationship between a young player who wants to develop game, you develop himself at a football club, but he needs to show he needs to show some chops. He needs to show what he can do, and I felt like he's doing that. I don't know whether he's completely taken his foot off the gas and now because his future's elsewhere. Well. <clears throat> We don't know enough about him to know that that's even the case. We don't know, but we also know... I, I also don't want to go with the conclusion that, oh, well, he's a Wednesday item. Therefore, he's come through the academy. He's, you know, you cut him in half and he bleeds blue and white. Wednesday mm. through and through, etc., etc., etc. Like, uh, I think that's, that's, that's kind of lazy and it's, it's naive to think such things about Liam Shaw. But oh, definitely. But I definitely feel that <laughs> I was going to mention. Was gonna, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of uh, I, I love the talk about uh, Dunkley doing media duties and talking. I really like to see like a full media interview with Shane Dunkley because he's he's always good value and he's, he sounds like he's got the right attitude. I think I was disappointed today with Shane Dunkley going off and being in such a sour mood. Mm. I mean, he could be disappointed about a number of things, and he's allowed to be sometimes upset. But it's just, it's just weird to see that from Shay Dunkley, who's typically come across with his PR and presentation 
like he seems like a very emotionally intelligent footballer and he seems like he's he has the right attitude in spades. Yeah. So anyway, but talking about Shay Dunkley was I loved him talking, I think, midweek about, you know, the words that you want to put in a youngster's ear, you know, talking about yeah. he was asked about Uzazi or Hide and like the yes. role that he could have in developing as a football player and, you know, potentially being a consistent footballer at this level. And so he was saying that, you know, you have to be you have to be you have to limit the words that you say <clears throat> in a young player's ear because a lot of players you know, a lot of other players are doing that. They're getting a lot of information. So you have to kind of limit that, what's going in. But I yeah. feel right now with Liam Shaw, like someone has turned to him and said at some point, you should study what Mark Viduka did with playing for a new contract. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. it feels like that. It feels like all of my application and talent has gone on two or three games, three, four games of football at the most. Yeah. And then now it's now it's decided, now it's settled. His future is elsewhere. I can put my big lanky feet up. <laughs> you know, my feet are uh, my big lanky feet are rested. My arm that is given for rubbing salt dubiously and massively into Sheffield Wednesday wounds. That's still going on. I've got restless arm syndrome. I sound like I'm being very unfair, but I think the thing that's just been so frustrating is contract talk has come up. His performances have been poor. Mm. We have seemingly bled to get him into the team and he's led us down with, I think, two decent chances that he's missed in the last two games. Other clangers he's pulled and he's just been sent off for a really, really stupid moment of which he's done this before. Yeah. And we said, oh, he's going to learn from this. Or that's the way that you put it in the PR, but seemingly he hasn't learned yet. No. So I'm he was really, so really upset to get with, away with one. He was lucky to get one of his very good performances was um, was in the cup against Exeter. He was lucky to get away with one there, if you remember. He didn't even get a card for it, but it was very similar. Um, you know, to to be nice, you'd call it full blooded type of tackle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he seems to the way he tackles is is a bit like Hodge but not with less intelligence and I suppose uh, less experience as well. But Hodge tackles, makes every tackle count in that way. And you can tell that Liam Shaw kind of, that's what's in his head is go for it properly. Don't kind of go for half measures. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, it's picking your moments and it's, it's knowing when that when going wholeheartedly might get you into trouble and not going at all. It's the t- it's picking and choosing the the point the point where you do it is the thing I think more mm-hmm. more often than not. And to be quite frank, Hutch got got it wrong a lot of times as well, um, and either picked up silly bookings or got sent off or injured himself in moments um, when he was desperately needed for the team. So uh, I think in some ways he is a good role model. He's a he's a an intelligent and very gifted player, Sam Hutchinson. But I don't know that that's the bit that I would immediately take on board is the tackling. <laughs> yeah, strange one. But I think that the it, the conundrum of young players and what to do with young players, particularly in this situation where the deck is so skewed against football league teams, uh, the Premier League have forced that to happen. Uh, that you know they they are perfectly happy for the championship and League One and League Two to develop players, 
but they don't want to reward them for that development. Um, and they've, they've, you know, they've held the kind of ongoing, the legacy payments or whatever they're called over the heads of the Football League to get them to sign up to those latest terms. So dealing, working with football, young footballers, building from an academy is a tricky thing to do. And the, tr- the hardest thing of it is nobody knows what, what will happen. Penny burst through and looked like a fantastic player. Maybe now, two or three years later, we're starting to see the kind of the maturation of him into a, into a, a first team player. But even that, even now, I'm not totally sold. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Clare burst onto the scene, had two or three tremendous games. I mean, that game against Aston Villa, he looked like he looked incredible. That was one of the best performances I've seen from a midfielder. <laughs> Probably since early doors, Giles Coke. If you remember how good Giles Coke was for the first month of the season. Yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> but then he went up to Hearts and sort of gradually seems to have faded away. I think he's at he's at Oxford now, is he? He's going to learn some Burton Albion from Oxford. Burton Albion, yeah, from Oxford. Okay, but it's there is no. It's not FIFA. It's not Football Manager. Progression is not a nice graph that you tick up you know you walk up like stairs progression can go up down it can stay where it was from Liam Shaw we've seen him be part of surprisingly good defensive performances although whether he was good or not was sometimes he sometimes was good sometimes he wasn't that good sometimes he was kind of being bailed out sometimes he stood out uh in midfield we've had he looks all right at that position at the, the peak of the the three, which is a position with less responsibility. Um, whether you want a six foot four central midfielder that can't shoot, I don't know. Um, it's probably not top of most teams' wish lists of who they want in that position. Um, I, I just don't. You can get hyped up, and essentially, his good period in the team boils down to he played really well against Exeter and he played really well against Middlesbrough. And he played okay two games either side of that. So kind of a, maybe a nine out of ten, maybe a ten out of ten, an eight out of ten, and a couple of sevens. Everything else has been just okay. Um, and I don't know that he'd be getting in the team if we had other options. I don't know that he's there on merit rather than just being the, the what's available right now, which might be part of his decision in terms of his future. He's not if he doesn't feel like he's getting picked on merit and he feels like if we sign a couple of midfielders, he wouldn't be there. Or if Luongo was fit, he wouldn't be there. Then he might see the writing on the wall in in a way. Oh, strange position to be in. A disappointing week for the team. Uh, just as a final thought, a final discussion, Luke, mm-hmm. where are you in your um, your mental relationship with Thompson as manager? I I think it's it's fine. I I wondered, you know, I wondered with those substitutions when we were one 0 down, especially that first one, which was with us. Reach who did Reach come on for again? Dunkley. Dunkley. That was it. Yes. Um, that felt a little bit like last ditch. That that felt like beginning of the last roll of the dice from mm. Thompson. I mean, the thing is, we've never seen. The thing previous to this is, uh, prior to this week of just complete dreck and tedium, we've never seen two losses on the spin from Thompson. We've seen no. a response after we've lost. Yeah. So we were kind of hoping that would be today. It wasn't today. 
Um, I, it, it seems like it's fine in this situation, which is worrying that I'm saying it's fine. But it's fine because now who's going to come in? They're not going to have any chance to make any improvements. There was seemingly no money in, you know, for any, a, any additions to make this out. You know, Sam Hutchinson's come back and Andre Green's come back, who's played a couple of games and then been injured ever since. Yeah. So what is a new manager really going to change in this situation? Well, I don't, that's the, it's the. And who is Chan Siri going to approve and bring in? Because I I don't, I don't fancy any of his, there could really be a maverick left field foreign appointments, but they've got to get going incredibly quickly. And it's, it's been, it's largely, apart from these two games, been kind of better under Thompson. It, it's been the similar mentality, but there's, there's seemingly been largely, and it's been lacking the last couple of games, but there's been a bit more belief in the talent and ability of the players from Thompson. We're still a similar, we're still a long ball direct been, side, you know? I know. I think what's starting to grate on me is the, it's the, it's the needless changes. It's the yeah. Well, this now seems like a fixation with Dunkley. Dunkley needs to be there. Sometimes, even though, even if you feel like he's the best centre back, if he doesn't fit into the system, he might just be the odd one out. And unfortunately, that's the case. the The best performances we've had defensively were Lee's, um, Hodge, and Origide. That worked, mm-hmm. and. I think the second time it was played, it worked as well. Like that's the only, it's the only time I think we've played the same sort of back line and had good results back to back. And that would be when we beat Preston and Bournemouth back to back. And I just, we've changed it because Dunkley's back and I don't think he's warranted a place. He looked like an absolute bomb scare when he came on off the bench and then he started the next game and he started every game since and come off in or well, not come off injured, but come off at the hour mark. I don't understand what your why your first plan is to play a centre back that can't complete the 90 minutes. Of all the positions on the pitch, you probably want your most reliable players on at centre back, don't you? Goalkeeper and centre back. Those are positions you don't want to be changing during yeah. the match. Yeah. Ideally. And I didn't think it was. A guy that doesn't look fit. I thought it was working with the three at the back before as well. Well, apart from probably apart from you know a really 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 bad performance against Millwall. Yeah. Which felt kind of freak, really. Well, that was the worst of uh, Hutchkin. Uh, that was the we absolutely found out that Hutch cannot be the third. Cannot be like the side, the left hand side of that three. That it, just doesn't. Work. But that was the thing as well. We we said previously, it, it works with him as the central, the mid, the, the middle center. I think Hodge being the center. But if these, if they're insisting on playing Dunkley every game, Hodge can't play that position because I don't think Dunkley can play anywhere else particularly well either. Mm. So so if Dunkley has to be one of the three, we can't have Hutch as one of the three. It just because I don't know. It's just one of these. Football is a generally a simple game that gets overcomplicated by people. And funnily enough, our best performances have been playing a lineup that works and people in positions that work for them. You know, Reach looks best when he's a left winger. Harris looks best when he's a right winger. You know, these are not these are not incredible um, leaps of of logic to make. People are 
good at playing the positions that they've played all their life. Uh, but we just seem to have got away from that almost every game since, and I don't really know why. We've not been forced to. Injury hasn't forced us to. We've made that ourselves. Anyway, there we go. I think I'm the same for boat. I don't know who would come in. I don't know how they would have an impact. We can't sign anybody, really. And if if we did sign somebody, there's somebody that's not played football for a long time, so they wouldn't be ready to go. Yep. So, yeah, stick with it. Anyway, there we go. We've got mm-hmm. a, we've got a big another big week ahead in terms of games coming up. Um, we've got Brentford midweek and then Luton after that. Um, both tricky games in their own way. Brentford are in a bit of bad form, so we'll probably help them turn that round. <laughs> mm-hmm. Luton similarly not in great form. They've won. They've lost four out of their last six and only won once. Um, it's interesting, Luton, because Luton went on quite a spell of good performances around the time we played them last. But uh, they're uh, they're they're in the doldrums a little bit. They're they're just outside of the relegation dogfight, but not by much. So maybe one 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 we should win. One we'll probably we wouldn't we uh, we we would be happy with a draw from. Um, at the moment, given the form this week, we'd probably be happy with with two draws if we could come out with it. But uh, fingers crossed, we could, we get to see a reaction. This has not been a good week, and the performances have been worse than the results, I think, by and large. Um, so, on that wonderfully positive note, I think it's time to say cheerio. Are you, are you happy with that, Luke? Uh, define happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you live live with the, this being the moment that the podcast finishes? Sure, sure. <laughs> like like most trauma in my life, I'll learn to I'll learn to deal with it. Oh, let let the callus grow over it. Push it down. <laughs> I hope everyone at home has a has a better week than Sheffield Wednesday have had this week. And um, it would be nice to have the football club we follow be an additive to our lives rather than uh, taking away what little joy we managed to muster up in these uh, these strange times but um, maybe that will happen next week onwards and upwards who knows uh, cheerio Luke and cheerio folks at home we'll see you Rich have a good one